you take her statements, you understand the weight of the accusations, and you make her feel like she's being heard. That's it. That's like all that needs to happen. You know what I mean? Like. Everyone, welcome to another episode of Dishes and Dives. My name is Iman, and I'm joined by Yasmin today. Hey, everyone. How you doing, Iman? I'm good. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Um, you- end of the regular season. Yeah, Finally. I didn't think it would happen, and it happened, and I'm so excited for the playoffs that are about to happen. Yeah, um, I was always kind of like, with the season restart, I was kind of trying to find that excitement for the playoffs to begin, and I, I think I found it. Like, I'm actually ready for it to begin. I am ready, yeah. And we're facing the Nets, which kind of feels like a Raptors regular. Like, this is the third time, and that's more than any other team that the Raptors have ever played in the playoffs. Really? So kind of like... Yeah, yeah, the Raptors played, let's see, the Knicks twice, the Sixers twice. Cavs three times. Oh, the Cavs. I forgot about LeBron. So it would rival the Cavs. So it matches the Cavs. I completely blocked out LeBron. I was like, the Bucks (laughs) twice. So, like, that's it. It's it's, the Wizards twice. Uh, So the Cavs and the Nets now tied for first. Um, And the Raptors have never beaten the Cavs in the playoffs and have never beaten the Nets in the playoffs. There we are with that. We're making history, man. <laughs> I hope, yeah. They can't They can't have the same record against the Cavs as they do with the Nets. Like, they can't do that with the Nets. You have to win a series against the Nets Raptors. But before we get to all of the Nets talk, because we do have a special guest today, we will be talking to Christian Winfield of the New York Daily News to bring us all of the Nets Daily News. Sure, we'll go with that. Um... <laughs> So what do you think, what did you think about the Raptors just overall play in the bubble? Going 7-1, and one, um, that's, I mean, a pretty good record. It kind of feels like they took their foot off the gas after a while. They secured that two spot. Kind of seemed like it was smooth sailing. There was mm-hmm. that absolute just disaster of a game against the Boston Celtics, but... That was their I, one loss, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Could have had an 8-0 and record, but no. <laughs> no, we had to lose it's like they, by, like... Yeah, it's like they they only got up for the Lakers game, <laughs> and then everything else was just like, what is happening? But um, I was really impressed by their ability to win without really trying, like without like Pascal Siakam doesn't even look a hundred percent yet. But I see a team that, and they haven't even found offensive chemistry yet. Uh, passes are off. This is an average to look below average turnover team. They're not turnover particularly turnover prone, but they've been like just throwing the ball everywhere in the bubble, which is expected. You like you got these guys are away from each other for months, and you reach a point in the regular season where you just know where your teammate is going to be, and you get that shot. You get that pass right in their shot pocket, but that has been off. Um, Pascal's um, assist to turnover ratio is usually really good, um, but he's been turnover prone as well. Even Kyle's just throwing the ball everywhere. He doesn't really have that pick and pop pass to surge quite yet. Um, but I've been just impressed by their ability to maintain that defensive integrity that we've just known from them this season um, in the bubble, which is like really reassuring because offense comes like that's what offense comes and that's what um, Nick Nurse's mantra seems to be like he doesn't seem to be concerned about shot making or anything like as long as you play your base level defense and you upheld the uphold those um, good habits that you've spent the entire season building you'll be fine and I think they've shown that they will they will be fine and I feel like the first round is real a really good opportunity for them to just find that spark find that um that flow that they had during the regular season, that ball movement that we've come to love, that style of play where um, we kind of used to anticipate last season when Kawhi would sit. Like, we'd be like, ah, yes, they'll be moving the ball, the ball will be zipping around, Kyle Lowry will dominate. Like, that's what we used to look forward to. And that's what we got ample amounts of this season. So I can't wait for that to kind of come and start clicking again. But yeah, so I've been been impressed by the uh, play in the bubble so far. How about you? I have as well, and I I think you hit on a lot of different points there. Um, The fact that their defensive intensity has sort of kept up and remained, I think, is is the biggest part, like you harped on there, Uh, and or like Nick Nurse always kind of harps on. Yeah. Um, I would say, um, okay, uh, let me ask you, actually, what, if anything, are you worried about heading into the playoffs? What am I worried about? Um that the offense won't click, which is yeah. about, which is, uh, there's a, there's a ch- absolute chance of that happening. And I, um, like personally, I think throughout the season, 
they found a really good offensive like hierarchy. I feel like that's so important when you have like a ball movement system to right. know who the head honcho is, who comes after that. You don't want guys taking shots at the wrong time, which we've been seeing a lot of in the bubble. Like we, it seems kind of out of sync. It doesn't, um, yeah, it seems out of sync. And if anything can go wrong, it's that they, they don't find that rhythm again which is, you know, it's, there's a total chance of that happening. And in the second round, they're facing a team that's about as good as them. So it, it, there's yeah. a chance that it doesn't click in time and they, you know, their postseason ends. But um, I feel like the interruption in the middle of the season, you know, has a hand in that as well as the plethora of injuries that they've dealt with throughout the season. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like missing Marco Saul is understated, like missing him for so long throughout the season, I feel like really affected their offensive percent- percentage because with him in, in and out of the se- the uh, lineup, lineup yeah. they, they, their um, three-point percentage, like their three-point shooting is so deeply, like it hinges on Gasol's <sighs> presence. Like I don't it's- think people can realize they went from, I, I don't know what the exact numbers are, but I believe they were way below average three-point shooting team last season prior to the uh, Gasol trade. Then when they got him, they zipped up all the way to like seventh or fifth. I don't remember the exact I number. I think they were the best. Um, since then, yeah. Since the, the trade, uh, yeah, they were since number the trade, one. They were number one in the league. Yeah. Yeah. And in this season, they are. Um, I think they are a top three three-point shooting team or something. Um, they're probably off by like point something percent from the number three spot or something. So um, Gasol's presence um, is really important. And with him in and out of the lineup, I feel like the flow has been kind of interrupted um because i feel like so much of his presence is just um hinges on um knowing where guys are getting cutters as soon like just at the right moment yeah you know, things that you need reps for so um completely completely i yeah. i i agree with that i think if you're gonna ask me what am i sort of most excited about heading into the playoffs uh, of course, just team health, like going in healthy is number one, but also just having a healthy Marcus Ole. I think it was David Thorpe who said today that Marcus Ole has been the best defender um, in the um, in bubble? the bubble. And he, he mentioned his defensive rating being like 70 or something insane. That's ridiculous. Which is like just mind boggling. Um, so, so just having a Gasol back, we talked about how important he is to this team's offense, how important he is to the floor spacing, just having a guy who can play make from so far out, just having uh, a guy who can, you spacing the floor with Marcus Ole has was what got the Raptors past the Bucks last season. And um Sixers even like it, it's yeah. so it was his presence was yeah he would have been a second round exit if for they sure. make that trade for him like absolutely. Well, I mean not not just with his offensive not just with uh what he brings on the offensive end but definitely what he brought on the defensive oh, end absolutely. um uh, would have been an absolute disaster we saw just how much Joel Embiid ate against the Raptors when he was playing with that sort of bench and, and Gasol was, was Gasol oh, was sitting yeah. just because um Brett Brown takes him out so early and brings him back in with the bench um but I would say I think what I'm sort of most worried about I agree with you is the Raptors offense um, and their ability to create in the half court. And that's something that we've talked about here at Dishes and Dimes for a while. I want Matt Thomas to be locked away in like a Pandora's box until the Bucks series where they are I, not oh. anticipating it. And we Can just he have a child? <laughs> Matt Thomas? Can you, Can you have purpose. a junior right now? Um, okay, so I guess the next question that I have for you, and we should probably hold off a little bit on the Celtics because there is a series that exactly that we'll have a Celtics ex- expert on the show. Um, <laughs> we should get a Celtics guy on the show. That would be great. That would be great. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, if the Celtics make it past the first round, I don't know. I'm joking. I, I'm, I I believe in yeah. my Sixers. Do they you? will take a game or two off of them. Okay, okay. I thought you were gonna say that they would win. I'm just no, like, no. Okay. <laughs> Pretty Calm sure Joel Embiid is kind of banged up right now. Hey, I, I have all faith in the Sixers. Sixers, I believe in you. I think you can beat the Celtics in the first round. At least tire them out. Um, I believe you can beat them, okay? That's all my faith is going in on, on the Sixers winning that and the Raptors having to play that second round again. Um, actually, you know what? Before we even talk about the Nets, let's celebrate this Raptors season a little bit. Because before the, we came into the season, there was a lot of talk about what this team would look like mm-hmm. after the season ended, right? It was a lot of talk about trading Marcus Gasol, trading Kyle Lowry, um, what the team will look like with Pascal Siakam as the main guy as opposed to um, a secondary guy uh, or a role player as he was in the previous years. 
And, you know, there were some tweets about possibly the Knicks being as good as the Raptors oh. without Kawhi. <laughs> um, Vegas projections had them at 47 wins, which they were able to crush despite a truncated season. Um, so a lot happening there. Uh, most people had the Raptors as a playoff team, although some people did not even have the Raptors as a playoff team. And right now the Raptors are sitting with the highest, highest, winning percentage in franchise history did you second, see this coming at all uh second best record in the league they just surpassed the lakers today which is just absolute insanity um did i see this coming at all uh yes i did <laughs> I love it. Um, my 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 theory is and it, it was like at the beginning of the season as well if the raptors managed to get the number one record in the east which they did prior to Kawhi, with demar Derozan as their uh premier player if they manage to do that, they can absolutely do it with Pascal Siakam being their premier player. Yeah. Because now we ha- our best player is not a liability on defense. If he's mm-hmm. having a bad shooting night, he's still managing to be a positive on the floor. Like, he has that Larry thing about him where it doesn't matter if he's going 5 of 20. Like, you still need his presence there at all times. You know what I mean? And that yeah. is already, like, a game changer. So, I-, I knew that they would be a great team. I... As the, se- as the season panned out, I thought that they would uh, be like a three seed in the East. Um, I thought the Celtics might be a little better like throughout the season. Um, but I've just been like thoroughly impressed by their play, um, how they managed to kind of just play with joy and also like a kind of dignity about them. Like even though they lost their finals MVP, they weren't moping around. They were insisting that they think that they can repeat. They think that they can have a deep playoff run. They believe in themselves um, and just handling themselves with so much uh, professionalism. Like it's, I just respected it so much this season. Um, and, and, and not only that, but just like, it was just genuinely fun. Like there were so many memorable, memorable games, like yeah. the winning streak, the 35 point comeback versus the uh, Mavericks. Um, even the, uh, the Lakers game in the bubble was so fun. Like they, yeah. they just had, the first it Lakers seems game that, too. that it, it was also that, a lot of fun. Like there, there were so many games this season that yeah. seemed like they would have been like, um, like uh, franchise defining games prior to the championship you know what I mean but now they're like throwaway feel-good moments like they don't matter that much because we have like an end goal we want a deep playoff run um and this this the point of the season in my opinion I feel like this is not going to be like the final iteration of this era of Raptors basketball I feel like the the team will look different in the next coming years um the point of this season was to show that this is a to show the the quality of the organization and to show that the core of Pascal Siakam and surrounding players is a viable, um, high achieving option for any free agents out there. And I feel like they've, they've just deeply succeeded doing that. Um, and you know what, let's just enjoy the rest of the ride, you know? <laughs> I, I like what you said about this not sort of being the final iteration of the team. Cause I think what, how a lot of people sort of saw this team um, heading into the year was that this was kind of like the encore. But not like a championship version, maybe that's not the right word, but like the sense that like the show closed last year and this is like one last season that the show producers put on to tie a nice bow on it. Um, I feel like a lot of people just sort of didn't take the Raptors as seriously as they should have coming into the year. And I agree with your point about, hey, if a 59-win team was led by that version of the Raptors with DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry at the helm, um, and, and Jonas Valanciunas and that entire squad, there was no reason to believe that this team should have been worse or especially considerably worse, right? Because you're looking up and down the roster, and this is a better team up and down that entire roster. Um, and also coming into this year, we knew that this would be a top five, top three defensive club. You know what I mean? With Marcus Gasol, with Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, with OG Ananobi, there was no reason to believe that this would be a bad defensive team. We knew that they would be good, not just because we're replacing your, your star player from DeMar DeRozan to Pascal Siakam, but just up and down that roster, you now have solid defenders. And, I, you know, Zach Lowe made this point where it's not that the Raptors have not 
it's not that the Raptors don't play any poor defenders. It's that the Raptors play only good defenders. And there is a difference in that. There is a difference in how good your team is defensively when you actually have all plus defenders, all sort of uh, all NBA level defenders. There's um, no exploitable. There's no leaks. Like it's actually not, insane to yeah. us. In the, like in the clutch, um, that's when teams hunt for the liability on the opposition. You know what I mean? The Raptors yeah, do it all yeah. the time. Yeah. Um, I can see them doing it at playoff setting versus the Celtics. I feel like they're going to pick on Kemba a lot. You're going to see a lot of uh, Kemba and Pascal there, but um, you try it on the Raptors. Like, what are you going to do? Like your best option. And we've option... seen that year in and year out with this team, right? Like that's kind of what happened to this team every single year, starting from the, the Gravis Vasquez and, and the Will days moving on to uh, two years ago. Last yeah. year was probably Just the being first hunted. year. Where... Yeah. By superior players like and then now they're doing it so it's crazy times we've seen demar Derozan be benched multiple times in clutch moments in the playoffs that's um, insane that's like unfathomable is, now like that's can crazy. you imagine your star player having to be benched because paul george just is gonna light him on fire <laughs> like that's just uh, like i can't imagine that now like i feel like we have different standards now. <laughs> and also like not just on the defensive end and you you made this point about pascal kind of being lowry-esque in the sense where even if he isn't giving you what you want necessarily in terms of scoring, he's still kind of doing everything else. Whereas that was kind of the biggest weakness with DeMar DeRozan was, hey, if DeMar is not putting the ball through the hoop, and I think, you know, DeMar doesn't get enough credit for being an incredibly great offensive player in that sense. Oh, like, he's just getting better. He's excellent. He's, it's, it's like, I'm kind of sad that the Spurs missed out and I'm like really happy for the Blazers. And I think the Blazers are going to give the Lakers the best run for their money. So I'm happy that they're the team, but I'm incredibly sad for this DeMar DeRozan um, led uh, San Antonio Spurs team that doesn't have LaMarcus Aldridge. So they're just less boring to me, but also just like DeMar DeRozan has, was on fire. Like he was unstoppable. He was so good, especially in clutch games. And I, I don't think he gets enough credit. So I'm not one of the best clutch scorers this season. Um, yeah. And just seeing him finding his teammates, like, he's become such a good distributor. He's been such a good player. And it, it started with <clears throat> the Raptors, and I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> and, and, like, I don't, and, like, yeah, granted, it started because you needed to put the ball in his hands because he couldn't shoot worth a damn. And yeah. <laughs> if, if Kyle had the ball, then teams were just completely ignoring him. Like, it was, it's actually embarrassing when your star player is being treated like they're Tony Allen out on the court, but that's what yeah. was happening to the Raptors yeah. in the playoffs because – Yes, he was being um, he was being targeted on the defensive end, but then on the offensive end, he was being completely ignored, and so he became just this brand liability in the playoffs. And part of the Raptors' sort of playoff failures, we can sort of latch on to Demar Derozan in a lot of ways, just because of that. Having said that, he's still a really uh, effective player and an incredible position player. Yeah. I agree, and I feel like he's going to find his role eventually. Like I, I feel like he, it's hard to ignore how he good he's been. Like people have been talking about it. Um, and that he will find his appropriate role soon. And uh, speaking of roles, like I, this iteration of Kyle Lowry that we've had this season, like last season we had the 14 and nine guy, 14 and eight guy, which was great. Like he helped us win a championship. He was excellent defensively. He found guys. He had his moments in the playoffs. But like this season we're getting like all-star, borderline like superstar kind of Kyle Lowry. And I've just like, like 20 enjoyed it so basically. much. It's 25. I, I, it's so crazy. And it's like – I, it, it almost felt like last year and even the year before, I also, like, I genuinely thought he lost his legs. Like, I'm just like, me too. He, me too. I, I thought yeah. it was done. I actually, I won't lie. Like, when the trade talks about him and uh, Mike Conley came up, like, I gave him an ear. Like, I genuinely thought, like, he had the back injury. I thought he was not going to be the same. Wedding. Like, <laughs> oh. I like every time anyone sort of brings that up, I'm just like, no, you, you cannot trade it. I know. your point guard halfway through the season. And thank God, like seeing how Mike Conley played after he was traded, like, thank God <laughs> Sorry, I'm I love not in Mike front- Conley, but like, He's Kyle, great, you were but- better than him back in Memphis. You're better than him now. Kyle um, is a top point guard. And this season, like, it showed me that his peers know that. And it's been like really fun, like, just seeing him um, respected on the court, seeing him like, just have like the most attitude that I've ever seen him with. Like, yeah, yeah, he was always a hothead. Like, yeah, he would always argue with um, refs and all that good stuff. But like, just seeing him like kind of be a bully out there um, and back it up, <laughs> like uh, night in and night out, has been so so deeply fun. So and fun. even and, though Pascal yeah. Siakam is a walking mismatch, and even though he's mm-hmm. our main scorer, yeah. it's it's maintained by coaching by his. Um, teammates that this is Kyle Lowry's team and it, it shows like when you see it Kyle's still Kyle is still the most important player on this team and and has yeah. been and has been and 
um, except for last season, of course, but you have Kawhi Leonard. And that's kind of been my biggest thing of why I thought the Raptors would still be a good team this year is because outside of Kyle's first year where he was battling for that starting spot with Jose Calderon and he got injured in his like fourth game against the Thunder and it was just kind of this chaotic and weird year outside of that with the Raptors um sorry as as the leader of this Raptors team Kyle Lowry has taken them to 48 wins or more year in and year out and for the last five years it's been 50 wins right so it's like this team is never bad with him at the helm and it feels like every single year this team is talked about like they're quote-unquote better than the sum of their parts and at some point we don't understand it's like that. you that can't be <laughs> you can't be better than the sum of your parts for eight straight seasons that's not how things work at like some point all of the all of the culture changes and everything he's been, yeah, like, I'm like, we've been through multiple coaches been through different iterations of this team we've seen like you know different iterations of this team we've seen different coaches year in and year out there's been one constant and it's been Kyle Lowry yet still we're talking about the Toronto Raptors like they're quote-unquote better than the sum of their parts we don't quite understand what makes them work we don't they're always a surprise team the Raptors are always like oh yeah the Raptors are the two seed or the three seed every year it's a surprise and it's like it shouldn't be the team is not better than the sum of their parts they're being led by a guy who's just not given the credit and that's Kyle Lowry and the same thing happened this season and it's been really fun to watch because we don't know how many more years of Kyle Lowry we have at this level but to see him put up near 28 and 5 and I think his his numbers dropped a little bit in the bubble just because the team didn't really need it and he's kind of on cruise control but a a near 28 and 5 sort of like that's an insane stat line to be putting up at your however many and like aged like 35 or something Kyle has been superb and um it's just finally time that he gets the recognition he deserves and hopefully the Raptors are not going to surprise teams next year and they're going to recognize that they're going to be a good team provided they still have Kyle Lowry exactly yeah and and seeing him um transform um his output based on the needs of the team at any given year like that's he, he's been doing that for years now just economy economy uh, accommodating to his teammates um and it's been just so great to see and I'm, I'm so glad that uh the young core can play with a player like him like I feel like it's going to change them forever I feel like um Pascal's better for it OG's better for it they're all better for it and they know it too and I, like you said um you mentioned how um the whole con- the whole sentiment about how they're greater than the sum of their parts um I've noticed like too much credit being given to Nick Nurse almost you know what I mean yeah um even though he's an excellent coach even though he's incredibly creative um he's a great players coach his players are 100% bought into him all that good stuff um at the same time like he goes out of his way to give credit to Kyle Lowry he goes out of his way to mention that this is his team this this is um the reason why he has such good buy-in is because the leader of the team is 100% on board with Nick Nurse so um because of these reasons like yeah so that's why this season has been so fun because I feel like we've gotten a, the morsel of, of um, acknowledgement that I feel like he deserves as a player, as one of the most important point guards of the last half decade, easily, in yeah. my opinion. Oh, um, I mean, and- you're not going to find me fighting you on that. All right, dude, we could have talked about Kyle Lowry for like five more years. We had to stop ourselves to bring our next guest, who was kind enough to spend some time to talk to us about the Brooklyn Nets previewing the playoff series talking about the future of the brooklyn nets christian winfield's nets beat reporter is up next thanks guys hello hello what's up (laughs) hey how's it going good how are you i'm good i'm good what's going on not much thanks for joining us so what was your reaction to um the game the other night Man, you mean you're talking about the Nets Trailblazers game, right? Of course, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, I think that people are, are underselling what the Nets are capable of. You know, they came out here and beat the Bucks. I mean, obviously, granted, yeah. and Chris Middleton were out in the second half. But in the first half, Nets were dictating the way that game went. Can I tell you, I think I think he pulled them in the second half because they didn't want to be an embarrassment where it was like... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> there was no hope. There was no hope. I watched it, that one. It kind of felt like he was going to pull them out in the second half because it was like, uh, we're not going to get embarrassed. We're going to have an excuse. Yeah, and when we started asking players about that, they were like, hey, we saw Giannis working out as if he was getting ready to go on the court in the second half, and then they pulled him to the last. Half. I'm like, nah, something's fishy there. Um, but yeah, no, I think people are starting to understand this Nets team is one that's going to come out and they're not going to just lay down because another team has more talent than them. And uh, 
So the Raptors got to prepare for honestly because the Nets aren't going to just sit there and get swept. You know, I know the Raptors are good. We, I have a lot of respect for the Raptors, more respect than I had at the beginning of the year. Because uh, the beginning of the year, I thought they were going to be seven seed, six seed, somewhere. In really? There. Yeah. <laughs> I, we I were just talking about that. We were just sort of uh, upset at people who thought that coming in because we were like, they're the same team that wins all. Like they've been a top fifty, you know, fifty plus win yeah. team year in and with year DeMar out. With Demar Rosen. <laughs> with Demar Rosen, and now you're replacing Demar with Pascal, who's you know a, a better player. <laughs> The better big, defender, at least, yeah. A better defender. A better you defender. Like I'll say, you know, I, I look. I, I gave tomorrow all his credit. I, I do love him, and I think he's a great player, and I think he's underrated in a lot of, um, especially like on Twitter. Um, I think he's definitely very underrated. But enough about tomorrow. We talked enough about him. I have questions for you about the uh, Brooklyn Nets. Sure. So, tomorrow, DeRozan, DeRozan, real quick. Uh, yeah. Pops, a uh, twenty-two year streak has come to an end, and. Uh, He's the star on that team, so shout out to Demar. Uh, Don't put that on him. <laughs> we'll blame we'll blame Lamarcus. We'll blame Lamarcus. You blame Lamarcus, right? Yeah. Yes. Both yeah. of the teams are doing better than they are right now, but I doubt it. <laughs> oh man. Okay. My bad. You we so... stuff. My bad. We'll keep it nice. <laughs> it's okay. I'm usually the one that trashes on Demar Derozan, so it's kind of nice to bring someone else on to do. I'm to not do trying the to trash on Demar Derozan, but okay, I you did it. Can't take it back now. Can't walk it back now. It's been done. Oh, man. I love you, DeMar. My bad. <laughs> no, I don't love you, um, Okay, so I have questions about, about the Brooklyn Nets. Because they <laughs> came in, and it was – it felt like they were just, like, dropping, like, flies every week. You yeah. heard another person being out. And you come in, and you have these – you know, you have Joe Harris still. Sure. You have uh, – who else do we have? Oh. We have uh, – Karis LeVert. of course, who uh, ended the Raptors – ended the Raptors' 15-game winning streak. I'm still kind of upset about that. That Jared was awful. Allen. We were riding high, man. Cloud nine. Uh, and, then, <laughs> and then ends it with, like, a 37-point performance or something crazy like that. Yeah. Nonsense. Um, and then, of course, Jared Allen, who uh, grabbed every single offensive rebound in that fourth quarter last night, uh, yeah. or the night before. I feel like the bubble kind of feels like every night. Right, yeah. Was that three nights Yesterday. ago? Two nights ago? Last it feels like forever. Every ago. night is Friday. Yeah, it doesn't... <laughs> um, okay. And then it feels like, uh, you know, there are lots of, there's Chris Gioza, who's someone yeah. who I've been introduced to in the last few games, I guess. Yeah. That's, that's um, it feels like he's basically a baby Fred Van Vliet. Yeah, that's what they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fred Van Vliet. So, so there's just like this this hodgepodge group, and mm -hmm. you know, we talked about a lot of people saying that the Raptors kind of play up, uh, above their heads, which I don't believe to be true, but I definitely believe that to be true of the Brooklyn Nets. Sure, they have been playing above their head, and I think they're actually going to surprise a lot of um, a lot of Raptor fans in this series. I think that they are going to pose. Not a lot. Like, I still think the Raptors are going to win it, and I think the Raptors are going to win it fairly easily. But I do think that it's going to go five, even six games. I would probably pick six games before I picked a sweep. Yasmin, I don't know if you think that's crazy, but I guess my question to you to start off, what problems do you think the Nets pose for the Raptors? Um, that's interesting. I think the Nets pose to the Raptors a similar challenge that the Raptors pose to other teams in that okay. you don't know who's going to, I think I read some today where the yeah. Raptors were the first team since 1970, whatever, to have five players averaging more than 15 points a game. Uh, the Nets can only win if they have that same type of success. And it can't just be Karis LeVert. It can't just be, well, I mean, there's nobody else, right? After Karis LeVert, you have nobody else that can give you 30 points unless Joe yeah. Harris is giving you seven out of eight shooting from three. So I think in a way, the, the, the challenge that the Nets pose is, is similar. You know, you've got Karis LeVert, but the reason Karis LeVert is thriving is because you've got shooters all around him. You've got three shooters, and then you've got Jared Allen. Um, and I think that's their biggest issue. Well, that's the, the, the pose. And then the, the Nets have a surprisingly deep team. They signed Tyler yeah. Johnson. You've yeah. got Timothy Luau Cabarro, who, A, I've learned how to pronounce his name properly. <laughs> TLC. Yeah, you just call him TLC. TLC has really become a, a, a significant piece of the puzzle so here. So are you saying that TLC is no scrub? Is that... We can end the call now. We can end the call now. I'm going to let you have that one. But no, I mean, just look at the team that they've been able to put together. And we're hearing Jamal Crawford may or may not be able to come back in the playoffs. I don't know. His injury looked a little significant to me. Uh, if he's able to come back out there, um, the Nets have a lot of players who can, A, shoot the ball, and B, surprisingly create for one another. You mentioned Chris Chioza. Jared Allen is going to protect that rim. Uh, I think what it boils down to for the Nets is, A, the Raptors just have a lot more talent. Look at Kyle Lowry, uh, Pascal Siakam, 
Uh, you guys have a lot, even Fred Van Vliet, Norman Powell, you guys have a lot of players who can just light it up on their own. And then you guys have a size advantage. Um, it used to be JV, now you've got Marc Gasol. Marc Gasol, is a, he's a bruiser. Jared Allen can't really deal with that. You think he can. He's, he's gotten a little bit stronger over the year, but Marc is a grown man, you know? And uh, I don't know. And on top of that, the Nets have just struggled historically guarding bigs that can shoot threes. Uh, you look at earlier this year, even I think earlier this year, Marcus Gasol torched the Nets from three-point range in their first game in the preseason against a Brazilian team. Uh, I forget what the, the guy's name. I'll never forget his name. Rafael Hetzheimer shot eight of ten from three-point range center. Jeez. So it's it's bad. They they can't guard three-point shooting bigs, and I think those are some issues that the Raptors pose for the Nets. But in general, the Nets are they're a well-rounded team. They move the ball around, uh, and I think the Raptors are gonna it's gonna be like that Spider-Man meme where they're pointing at each other because they play very <laughs> similar. They're, they're moving the ball. They're trying to get the best shot, and I think it's just gonna boil down to the Raptors having more talent. Yeah, I think, you know, when we talk about sort of what the Raptors' defensive schemes have been and what the Raptors have been really, really great at, and I think a lot of teams have kind of taken from them, is the ability to shut down a superstar on a team. Yeah. Um, um, whether it's, you know, trapping Anthony Davis, uh, LeBron James, James Harden, they've been really good at that and forcing everybody else to, to score on you. Because it's like, mm. okay, well, yeah, we're taking the ball out of Anthony Davis's hands, KCP, go do something, because we'd rather right. that. And And so I guess what you're saying here is, well, yeah, they'll take the ball out of Karis LeVert's hands, but then it's Joe Harris open there. It's not KCP, and that's more likely to go down. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how I am understanding this, and that's scary. I mean, it, it is scary to, to have that. And, and that's why I think the Nets are going to take a game. I think there's going to be a game where the Nets just get hot from and that's just going to be a very, very easy game. And then I think that there's probably going to be another one where it really comes down to the wire. And um, just because I, I watched I watched what Lillard did, um, and I just don't trust the Nets offense to come up with anything in the clutch. I just, like, I don't know if I see a Karis LeVert um, contested step back to be yeah, game winner. Karis yeah. ISOs for the clutch for that. Yeah, exactly. And like, I'm fine. I'm fine with, with that, I think, <laughs> for the Raptors. The Raptors have been one of the best clutch teams. Um, I guess my question for you right now, though, before we even talk about that, is what have you thought about Jacques Vaughn, Jacques Vaughn in the in the bubble, do you think he's going to be the coach moving forward? And what do you think about him right now? It's tough to say if he's going to be the coach moving forward because at the end of the day, it, as much as the names are being floated around, it's going to boil down to what Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving want. At the end of the day, they haven't played under Jacques Vaughn once. Got a chance to Garrett Temple, asked him about it. He goes, hey, we love JV. We knew what he was. He's exactly the same person he is now as he was in his, as an assistant. You know, and he said, oh, he's, everybody compliments Jacques Vaughn the way he's able to make adjustments on the fly. We see what he's been able to do with Karras. But at the same time, there's the flip side of that coin where when Kenny Atkinson was head coach and he had Karras, he also had Kyrie Irving and he also had Spencer Dinwiddie. So it's not like Karras was the star of the offense. And now we're seeing what can happen under, it's, you're saying under Jacques Vaughn, but it's really when there's nobody else on the team and you're putting the ball in Karras LeVert's hands, obviously he's going to look like a star. Um, I do think guys like playing for Jacques Vaughn. They all say that, but you're not going to say otherwise, right? You're not going to come out to the media and say, hey, no, I don't like playing for this guy. Get him out of here. We want Mark Jackson or something Let's like get that. Get a mic in front of Kyrie. We might hear that. <laughs> right, yeah, you never know. Um, but I do think that what can't be denied is the way this team has competed in the bubble, regardless of who's in, like, if you just look at who's not in there, right? No Kyrie. Forget Kyrie. Forget KD. You don't have Spencer. You don't have Torian Prince. You don't have Wilson Chandler. You don't have DeAndre Jordan. Those are four starters, basically. All four of those players have started at different points in this season. So to not have those guys and to still come in the bubble and go five and three, almost six and two, you beat the Bucks, you beat the Clippers, you almost got the Trailblazers out of there. Uh, I think if he doesn't get the Brooklyn job, he's going to end up somewhere. I think yeah. he's shown that he's a head coach in this league. Um, and I, when you ask other coaches about him, they love him. They're like, hey, man, this is a guy that we don't really want to coach against. Like, he, he's really good at the job. So uh, I, I would like to see Jacques Vaughn as a head coach, number one, that would make eight full-time black head coaches at NBA, uh, which is what we need. But yeah. also just the work that he's been able to put in, uh, I, I think it's undeniable. So I, I, I want to say we'll see, but at the end of the day, it's going to boil down to what the stars want, honestly. So um, I have a question regarding moving forward, like with the stars of the team, with Kevin Durant mm -hmm. and Kyrie Irving next year. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's what everyone's anticipating. Um, what do you think the direction they take will be with the roster surrounding those two stars? Because um, I think a lot of the um, motivation 
and play that you might be seeing from the current roster on the uh, Nets might be because they want to remain on that contending team for next year. Um, What do you, what is the direction you think they go with the roster in terms of like the uh, prototypical uh, role players they surround KD and Kyrie with? And um, who do you think on the current roster will remain next year? Um, that's a tough question. If you ask me if I'm playing GM and I'm building a team around KD and Kyrie, I want guys who know their role, right? Because that's the only reason things are working out in LA. You don't have JaVale McGee going full court trying to go behind the back and, and dunk. And in a way, that's when you look at what the Knicks have, that's the issue in New, in New York, right? You have a bunch of players who don't know their role, who are trying to make names for each other for themselves, and it's leading to a whatever their record was this season that did not get them in the Orlando. To be fair, that's because the Knicks just put a bunch of players that play the same right? position they together. Of- they were <laughs> like, "We're gonna have all power forwards, and you guys are gonna figure this shit out." Exactly, and that's the Nets need the exact opposite. They need guys who are they need guys like Garrett Temple, right? Guys who know exactly what they're gonna do. That they're gonna play defense, hit threes. And, and really just help their stars. Um, I think the Nets, priority number one, they already said they want to sign Joe Harris. You got to pay the man, right? Yeah. Priority number two, they got to get a four. Uh, I, I'm not going to hold back. Torian Prince, I don't think, I think Torian Prince is one guy that's going to be out the door. Um, it, it's just not a good fit, in my opinion. He's a guy who, he, what you need at the four is someone who's going to play defense, shoot threes, and move the ball around. Uh, he's not shooting the three ball at the, at the clip he was last year. He's not moving the ball around. He's just been a liability on defense. And these are things that we've all spoken about with him as well. And he's saying, you know, it's an up and down season. It's not what I'm used to, but at the end of the day, it is what it is. I think he's one guy that's out the door. I think Karras is one guy that's going to stay. You know, you've got really? Kevin Durant I coming out was, the thing. No, I thought that was a kind of a, a coin flip one. No, nah, I think yeah. I think Karras is a guy who they want as to a six man. Hmm? No, as I, a six no, man? I think you're going to go, and and that's 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 the question, right? Because if you have Joe Harris and you have Karras, you can't put KD at the four. Right, that, doesn't really, that doesn't necessarily make sense because he's not going to guard for us. So how does that work? And when you pose it that way, it's like, okay, are you going to bring Joe Harris off the bench? Maybe, probably not. Are you going to bring Harris off the bench and close with him? I don't know. And that, that gives you a lot of flexibility. Yeah. I, think, I think it ends up being somewhere we might see Spencer Dinwiddie get traded. We might see a package that looks like Spencer yeah, Dinwiddie, that's what I Florian Prince. Ah, interesting. It okay. depends because they need, the Nets need, and as much as you want to say, yeah, yes, Harris LeVert is, is becoming, you won't, you won't even call it a star. He's becoming a name in this league, right? People are knowing who Karis LeVert is. You know he can go out there and he might get you 30. But you need someone at that four spot who's going to defend and who's going to hit threes. And those guys are not cheap. So how are you going to afford one when you have to bring Joe Harris back? You're already past the cap. You're going to be in the taxi. You're going to have to trade some people. And I think it's going to come down to moving Spencer Dinwiddie because at the end of the day, a backup point guard is something that you can find. Uh, Torian Prince's contract is friendly. You got picks that you're going to have to trade. You got young guys. You might have to throw Jared Allen in there. And I think Jared Allen is a guy whose trade value is increased. And it's Definitely. tough because I like DeAndre Jordan as a person, right? Me and, Je- me, and, me and DeAndre Jordan have these conversations all the time. He's really cool. But I he think seems he's amazing. Not, he seems like yeah, a great guy. <laughs> amazing dude. Love him. I think he's past his prime. Right. And I think we all know that. I think oh, yeah. he'd even agree to that. And the center position, you have to be athletic. You've got to be running up and down the floor. And Jared Allen gives you that. The Nets also can't trade DeAndre Jordan. So yeah. it's an interesting dynamic. Do they keep Deion, Do they keep Jared? Do they trade him knowing that they're probably not going to get a backup that's just as good as Jared? This is going to be a very interesting offseason for Brooklyn. I think it's a make or break offseason for them, uh, especially when you look at coaching. Are they going to keep JV? Are they going to go get Jeff Van Gundy? Are they going to go get Mark Jackson, Tyron Lue? Who do they want? Right. Why would Je- why would JVG do that? But that's I don't know. Man. I was I mean, hey, if you yeah. if you go get Jeff, I, I don't. I, I think there's a lot of good names, and I and I hope that they don't boil it down to finding a name. Right? I think it's bigger than yeah. a name. I don't think you want to go get Mark Jackson. I don't think you want to go get. I mean, if you do want Jeff or Stan Van Gundy, I'm cool with having both Van Gundys come in and coach the team. Coco, <laughs> right? Go get both of them. Win a championship or two. But, that I would love. Brooklyn yeah. Nets is my favorite team. I'm sorry, Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but no, I, I think that there. Uh, I think. From what I've seen from Sean Marks, he's a guy who, who's going to rely on actually listening to what KD and Kyrie want around them. And I think it's going to boil down to putting in the right role players. A lot of people say they need another star. I don't think you need another star. You need the right supporting cast. And they have certain pieces there that belong. Joe Harris is one. Joe Harris has got to fit in on any team. Yeah. Um, but they need some. They need more players. They need more 3 and D type players. And I think that's what they go get. Yeah, I mean, we're in the era of duos, so I don't see why they need like a third star. Like that would. I mean, if they keep Karis, like they don't necessarily need someone who can be better than that. That's my whole thing with like Karis LeVert is like, doesn't he need the ball in his hands to be as good as he's being right now? Because we're seeing mm-hmm. him sort of go off as the lead guy, but then you know you have Kyrie and you have KD, who are two of like the greatest ISO players 
in the last thing. KD's one of the greatest of all time. And yeah. it's like, are you really going to take the ball out of their hands and put it in Karis LeVert? I don't know. But, um, you know, to talk about this Nets team right now, just to sort of preview the series that's coming up, you know, I like the fact that you sort of liken them to the Toronto Raptors because I think in a lot of ways, looking up and down the roster uh, of the Raptors, these are a lot of guys who were forced to bet on themselves. These are a lot sure. of guys who were forced to um, to prove themselves in the NBA. It's a lot of undrafted guys, a lot of second-round picks. The Raptors are the only team in NBA history to win uh, a championship without a single lottery player. Mm -hmm. And granted, Kawhi Leonard is a superstar, but, yeah, I mean, this is still a team that – you know, was on pace to win 60 games this season um, without Kawhi Leonard. So it's still right. just a lot of really great um, guys who were counted out. And you kind of look at this Nets team, and it's, once again, a lot of guys who are now being tasked with making a name for themselves exactly. and finally getting on the big stage. And Yasmin made a good point, and, like, they're competing to – they're auditioning for a role on the Nets next season. They're auditioning for Kevin Durant right now. They're auditioning for Kyrie Irving. And beyond that, they're auditioning for the rest of for the rest of the league. This is about right. sort of uh, finding a space for yourself in the NBA. Um, and we've seen, you know, Fred Van Vliet and all these Raptor guys do it. So it kind of like sort of – I like that sort of comparison because this is the first time that we're seeing that. And it kind of feels like the Nets don't know – enough to know that they're not good enough to be doing what they're doing. Like right. it kind of feels like they don't understand it. And that's great. And we saw that with sort of the young Raptors. We saw that with Benjamin. Oh, yeah. We saw that with like, they didn't understand that they weren't good enough and they shouldn't have been destroying teams the way that they were. But, and, and, and so I, I do like that comparison. Um, so I guess I should ask you, how many games do you think this series is going to go? Um, that's a great question. Uh, I, I'm, I'm inclined to side with you in the five to six range. I do think, the Nets get one game, um, not necessarily as a byproduct of ball movement, but more so as a byproduct of the Raptors not showing enough respect to Karis LeVert. Uh, I think that's what happened in the Portland game. I asked uh, Terry Stotts pregame, hey, uh, what do you know about this Nets team and what do you know about Karis LeVert? How do you game plan for him? And he said, hey, I know this Nets team moves the ball a lot. Um, and then he kind of just skipped over Karis completely and said, hey, and I also know that they have Jared Allen who's patrolling the paint uh, and he's going to make it a tough challenge. And then Karis, boom, comes out, torches them, almost sends them packing. So I think Harris is at a point right now where he's not a star in this league, but guys have got a game plan for him because he's he's got a lot of tricks up his sleeve. He's not just a, a, a ISO scorer. He's a guy who can get to the paint and he's going to move that ball around and find people. And now we're seeing him get to the mid-range, right? So I think they're going to get one game as a byproduct of Harris getting maybe 29, 9, and 5 and coming up clutch down the stretch, right? But when you look at the rest of this team, I don't think that the Nets can necessarily compete with the Raptors in terms of firepower. I don't think they can slow them down either. And that's really what it boils down to. Can you stop them from scoring? And can you score enough points? And the answer is no on both sides. Now, would I love to be surprised? Absolutely. I'd love for the Nets to come out there and hang 145 points on you guys and, and get another win. I'm not sure it's likely. You know, these are the defending champs. Nick Nurse is probably, in my opinion, if you're asking me, I think that's the coach of the year, uh, just based on the job that he's done. But Jacques Vaughn is also doing one hell of a job as well. Uh, I really want to see how this series shakes out. I don't think that the Nets are going to win the series. Um, yeah. I think they're going to get one game, uh, and I think it'll be a five-game series. Well, another thing that they're not going to have is they're not going to have Brooklyn, right? Everyone's playing in this Orlando bubble, and you yeah, have right. made-up fan noise. And I've asked players about that, and they're like, yeah, you know, it's cool to have fan noise, but it's not like having 19,000 fans right there behind you. Uh, so I think that's going to be a difference for them. But also, you guys thrive off of your fans as well. So it's not like it's, it's just one-sided. Um, yeah. there's, no, there's no real home, home court advantage. I, I would talk <clears throat> on that for another win that they're not going to have. So I think it goes five, and uh, the Raptors are going to have a fairly easy series. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I agree with you. Like I, To me, it's like five is probably my, my, my pick. I would lean six before I, let, before I lean towards four. Yaz, do you agree with that as well? Um. Uh... I'm going to say, no, I, I think it's going to be a sweep. I think it's going to be a sweep because okay. I feel like um, the Raptors are such plus defenders at every position sure. um, that I feel like they can manage with that. The only thing is that the Raptors like to kind of go teams into um, shot making at the perim perimeter, which mm -hmm. can be a problem against uh, the Nets, who are a, a great three-point shooting team from yeah. what I saw um, these last few games. Uh, so I feel like they can get burned maybe for one game from that, just in terms of just odds that that's bound to happen. Um, but I feel like I feel like um, with the the way the Raptors clog the paint and overhelp, it can just overwhelm like those tr trying to finish um, 
at the rim. So I feel like it's going to be either five games or four games. Like it's, it's, I'm leaning more towards a sweep, but I think it's going to be a pretty quick series, a great opportunity uh, for Pascal to stat pad because it's, he's heading to. Yeah. hundred percent. There's no, there's no one player on the Nets roster that can guard Pascal Siakam. It's, uh, yeah, it's going to yeah. be a mess. Like, hopefully he takes advantage of that and gets those points up because he's going to have to deal with Tatum and then uh, Giannis after that, perhaps. So. It's going to be bad. And on top of that, uh, the Raptors aren't a team. The Raptors are a team. They, they don't care how they play, right? They can play it's on the It's a mess, corner. yeah. They can absolutely. run inside out. And I think playing inside out is where they're really going to beat this Nets team up because we've only got one center, and that's Jared Allen. After that, you've got Rodion Skurux, who's 6'9". Dante Hall, he's tough, but he's also 6'9". He doesn't really understand what's happening. He's just putting out <laughs> giving you energy and trying to block shots. Um, and you guys... We have, had a guy like that. His name was Pascal Siakam a few years yeah, ago. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, great origin story. <laughs> right. But, I mean, you guys have, have Marcus Gasol. You've got yeah. Serge, who can also play that five spot. You've got Siakam. If you really wanted to, you could put him at the five. Um, and it's just matchup nightmares. You've got Kyle Lowry. Uh, I'm, I'm, oh, he loves playing the Nets for some yeah. reason. I do not know why, but he gives us a game. Like, gives us a, sh a show every I time he plays the Nets. I don't know if you know this about the Raptors sort of history there, but the Raptors have never swept a series ever. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> They've never swept a series. The Raptors are cursed with game one losses. Wow. Um, I know that for sure. Cursed with game one losses. And also, the Raptors kind of have a an awful history with the Nets. Now, the Raptors don't have much of a rivalry just because only really been good these last few years and it's just been LeBron James dominating them. There's not really a rivalry if you don't punch back. You can't call it a rivalry if you've never a thrown a hit. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, LeBron <laughs> exactly, exactly. The one series where the, the Raptors won um, multiple games against the Cavs was the one where LeBron James said, I felt. I've faced adversity in the past, and this just doesn't feel like an adverse situation, which is like the most disrespectful thing you could ever say to a was team that, the that just – with the one-legged shot off the backboard at the no, 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 no. That, was, that was a sweep. That was a sweep. This was um, I like a how we have several. We have several references. There's so many – Okay, listen, he's in the West. We'll, we'll deal with him if he gets past the Blazers. But um, uh, so, so the Raptors have had kind of this um, – they've never really had a rivalry. And the biggest one – I think from the Raptors' perspective and not so much from the Nets' perspective has mm -hmm. been the New Jersey Nets slash the Brooklyn Nets, of course, starting yeah. with the Vince Carter trade yeah. um, that, that shook my childhood. I only recently recovered from it. And yeah. then, you know, in 2007, the Raptors were this surprise team. They won 47 games, which was the most at that point in franchise history. And sure. they were uh, the three seed because the East is crap, and they're 47 points, uh, 47 points, 47 wins gets you to the three seed, and they were playing the New Jersey Nets at the time, and that was a Vince Carter, Jason Kidd, Richard Jefferson team that I loathe to this very day, <laughs> and the Nets beat the Raptors in six games that series, and the sixth game was one where uh, Jose Calderon, a beloved Raptors point guard, right. uh, turned the ball over in the final seconds. I don't know if you remember oh. that game, but he turned the ball over in the final seconds. Richard Jefferson got the steal. I think he was like trying to throw like a I don't I don't even remember. I think he was trying to I think he was trying to get it inside to Chris Bosch, but it ended up being a turnover. Um and and the Nets won that game, uh in that series. That was game six, that was the final seconds, uh 98, 97 or something like that. Right. Then flash flash forward seven years later to um 2014, when the Raptors once again are a three seed, have home court mm -hmm. advantage, mm -hmm. heading into a series against the now Brooklyn Nets, Brooklyn where um the Brooklyn Nets have a, a, a team, you know, it's funny because we were just talking about hoping the Nets don't kind of go for big names. This was definitely a year where they went for big names and sort of 100%. flashy picks and 100%. did the wrong thing in having Jason Kidd as a head coach. Let's hope they don't make that same mistake again. But, but um, that, of course, I, I don't think I need to rehash that one for everyone. It ended in a beloved Raptors point guard. Kyle Lowry getting his shot blocked in the final seconds of game seven. I won't by, lie. Uh, I won't lie. That, 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 that moment uh, put teenage oh, me off basketball for a couple years. Yeah. <laughs> I was done. That was only a couple of years ago. Um, I know. I was done. I took a break. I'm like, I'm not built for this. My heart. I, you know, like I, I'm pretty sure like in 2007, I was like, I hate this Nets team. In 2014, I was like, I swear if I ever see this Nets team again. And then here we are almost seven years later again, six years later, um, the Raptors oh, once crazy. again, the higher seed. 
uh, facing this Nets team. But I guess we're all saying that this is going to be a, a win. We've all, we're all predicting it, which is different than those other two times. I will say both of those times before, I think the uh, general consensus was that the Nets were going to beat the Raptors. And this is probably right. the first time where the Raptors are clear favorites. But I mean, if history tells us anything, it's that the Nets are probably going to take uh, the Raptors and, and beat them with a beloved point guard, probably Fred Van Vliet this time, doing something in the last seconds of a game. I think the Nets enjoy this though, right? I think they, for some reason, they love being the underdogs, right? They, they, they came out and lost to the Magic in the, in the first game of the bubble, beat the Wizards, and they go ahead and beat the Bucks, right? And they go beat the Clippers. Then they almost beat the Trailblazers last night. Now they're going into a series where I'm the beat reporter covering the team, and I'm saying, hey, they're going to get one game, maybe two, right? I think they enjoy that. I, I think that takes the pressure off of them, right? Because they're like, hey, yeah. you know, we're just going to go out there, play freely. And they, they, they play with a chip on their shoulder. This is a team of people. I was one of the people who wrote, hey, they're going to go two and six, maybe three and five in the bubble. Turn around and went five and three. Well, I look crazy. But this, this is what they do, right? They, 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 they overcome the odds. It's ridiculous at this point. But I, I'm, I don't think they, they honestly stand a chance. I think they're going to get a game, maybe two, and, and that'll be it. All right. So perhaps um, based on your knowledge, and um, I'm especially interested in this because Kevin Durant is one of my favorite players. uh, What is the state you think he returns to the league uh, next year? Oh, man. Um, If we're talking percentage wise, right? So we're going like zero to 100 percent. So when I first saw him on media day at the beginning of the year, he had to he went down, he, so they, they're, they're sitting on an elevated podium, right? And, mm-hmm. and there's steps. And the way he went down the steps was just like any normal person would go down steps. Boom, 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 right? So I looked at that and I'm like, okay, he has an Achilles injury, but he just went down those flights of stairs like they were nothing. All right, cool. We're now training camp is starting and I, I'm seeing him practicing. He's obviously not shooting. He's not jumping on his shot at all, right? So this is what, September? right? September-ish, last September, not shooting at all, not not jumping on his jump shot at all, right? It's just right. tippy toes and that's it. Maybe a month goes by, now he's he's getting a little bit of a bunny hop on his jump shot, right? Another month goes by, now he's going up and down the court, he's running up and down the court and we're seeing him elevate a little bit. Another month goes by, he shouldn't turn around fadeaway jump shots and getting a lot of air under that. Now we're at maybe January, December area, right? That's how many months ago? Six months ago? Couple months go by, they're in Los Angeles and he's playing five on five, three on three, full contact dunking on people. That's March. Now mm-hmm. we're in August and he's been rehabbing at home and we're seeing these videos of him playing basketball and looking like the player that we all kind of remember him to be. And the regular season isn't supposed to start until when? December, right? Something like that. Yeah. That's, when, that's when the season's supposed to start. Yeah. I think we're going to see a, if not, I think what Kevin Durant has to get over for the next hurdle is actually playing physical competition against guys who really want to stop him, right? Because right. we're seeing guys who are kind of probably playing a little timid. Oh, we don't want to hurt KD. He's on the road to recovery. Once yeah. you step on that floor, people are going to try to stop you. I think that is going to be the last 10% that he has to get over. So I think we're going to see a 90% KD uh, on wow. the first. And uh, we're also wow. probably going to see – I think KD is going to be in better physical condition than Kyrie, honestly. Really? Really? Kyrie is is just injury prone. I hate to see it, but I hate to say it. That is true. Before training camp even starts, he he has an orbital fracture. Then he hurts his shoulder. Then he hurts his knee. Then he re-injures his shoulder. He's probably going to get injured at some point between now and then. And I just trust Katie's ability to stay on the floor because his game doesn't, his game is just so simple. It's so smooth. He's raising over guys. He's he's three dribbles pull up. He's not really doing too much. Right. Um, I think he's going to be just fine. I think we see a 90% healthy KD for the beginning of the regular season. Can I get a prediction for you in the future? How do you think this Nets team, well, obviously there's not, we don't know what the Nets team is going to look like, but do you think that they, do you predict a finals run in the next two or three years? Do you see? Yeah. I'm I'm not sure they win a championship because I don't know what the moving parts are. I don't know who they're playing against. I don't know if LeBron goes and gets Devin Booker or Bradley Beal or whoever else they're going to have out there. Well, Giannis and (laughs) Pascal. Oh, no, no, no. I was about to say, I was about to say, because, because if you do, then, you know, it'll be, it'll be a good conference finals between the Raptors <laughs> with Giannis and KD with the Nets, because I'm just saying it might not happen if it's not next year. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, I mean, I, I do think that, I, number one, I trust Sean Marks' ability to put players, to put the right players around people. 
Um, look at what he's been, who he's been able to draft in Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, um, who else? Spencer Dinwiddie, well, he traded for Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, Nick Claxton, who a lot of people aren't talking about now, is really promising young rookie. Uh, you look about the players he's acquired. He went and signed Garrett Temple. Garrett Temple is thriving right now in Brooklyn. He we hate him in Toronto. Anyone that was a member of the yeah. 2015 Wizards team, we don't we don't talk about. Exactly. And then another another more recent example, Tyler Johnson. A couple years ago, he offered him four years, 50 million. Now he comes back to the Nets and he's cooking right now as if nothing ever changed. So I trust Sean Marks' talent acquisition and, mm -hmm. and I trust his ear in that he wants to listen to what his star players want. He said that that's what he's going to do. Um, and understanding that and just believing that that's what they're going to do and put the right pieces around them. And they're going to make a finals run. Do they win a championship? Maybe, maybe not. I think we've got to see what Kyrie and Katie look like on the floor together. But when you got two of the top, I don't know where you guys have Kyrie in your top 20, right? But you unequivocally healthy KD is in your top five. And I don't think that's, that's not. I a think he's top two and he's not two. Uh, that's genuinely yeah. he, how I feel. I think he's the best player in basketball. I was being generous. I was being generous. Yeah. I was giving you guys room to argue, right? No, no, no. I think he's <laughs> the best player in basketball. Right, yeah. Best player in basketball. Kyrie, who is a top five point guard at the very least, right? You're, you're not saying, oh, give, give me four better point guards. Give me five better point guards than Kyrie Irving. Uh, uh, Steph Curry, Dame Lillard. Um, uh, I'm gonna say Kyle Lowry because I, I was gonna say it's it's, uh, it's Kyle. Kyle Lowry is a better point guard than Kyrie Irving. Oh, we can go on absolutely. for another hour discussing it. I, I, he, he'll, give I will, you, he'll give you Kyrie scoring with defense. So right. So um, oh, who else? Yeah. I, I and think, winning. I think he'll be. Can we say that? And, yeah, winning, winning too. He does that thing and too. <laughs> so I, you know, he yeah, he's definitely top five, perhaps top four. Top Wait, who? Five. No, Ben Simmons. No, no. Yeah, Ben Simmons is above Kyrie. Ben Simmons is yeah. a four now. Yeah, I was going to say, well, here's the thing. If Ben Simmons, Simmons is a four, four now, now. And he doesn't even shoot outside of 12 feet. I, yeah, I can't, I can't yeah but like Kyrie doesn't defend outside of any. Yeah, I don't think that's a fair, I don't think that's a fair criticism. Does he defend consistently? No. Does he defend when it matters? Absolutely. We saw what he was doing with Steph Curry. We saw what he did in the NBA Finals. We saw what he's done in games that actually matter, right? Okay, so, I can do the same thing with DeMar DeRozan. Like, I can be like, I watched I watched a half where we put DeMar on LeBron. It was a regular season game. It didn't count for anything, but I watched that half. Lou Will had his career high up to sure, that point. But what about, the rest of what about the rest of DeMar's game? In the short but that's, there, right? that's kind of what I, I know, mean. I'm like, I, saw, I saw Kyrie no, getting lit up. I, I, I saw Kyrie getting lit up by George Hill last season and versus the Bucks. <laughs> Yo, I saw that too. I saw um, that too. Making a like a yeah. mix up on I saw Chris Middleton yeah. can do anything against Raptors. I'm just saying. Yeah, and, and granted, sure. Is Kyrie a perfect basketball player? Absolutely not. No, but he's but an excellent point guard. You, We're being facetious. Yeah, I, I think that he's obviously a top five point guard in this NBA, if not top four. And you're putting him next to a top one, two, three player, not yeah. just at his position. And then you're putting them ideally around next to players who know their roles, who are gonna be able to space the floor out. And maybe you have a head coach who is either A, Jacques Vaughn, or B, somebody else who has championship expertise. Maybe they go get Greg Popovich, and they're out there competing on both ends of the floor. I don't see how with two superstars, with a yeah. with an elite head coach, and with a scrappy group of role players, you don't make a finals run. So I'm going to get fair. to the finals at least once in the next three years. And honestly, if you put Kyrie and KD on the floor in a seven-game series for a championship, I, I don't know. I think I'm taking them. Yeah, you have like yeah. two great closers there. Yeah. yeah, I think the only way I think the only way we stop that is if Giannis comes to the uh, to the Raptors. So please, Giannis, Giannis, <laughs> make your way over here. Uh, you know, no, real quick, how would that work? You get Giannis, then you also have Pascal. Yep, yeah, and you have OG, uh, who plays the five. Giannis. Giannis. On some I was gonna say you have Giannis. You have your 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 front court is Giannis, Pascal, and OG. And then your backcourt. Your backcourt can be Fred Van Vliet at the one. Uh, I'm not sold on Giannis at the five. Sorry. I don't see it. I'm not sold on it yet. Then he'll just play the four and Pascal like, will have to be the I was three. Gonna, I was just going to say, like, we'll just, we'll just yeah, shift right. everything. I'm not sold shift it down for you. It's fine. Yeah, I'm not sold on either one of those five. But we can no, make it work. Yeah. Jared Allen is the five on, on the Nets. We can make it work here, too. I'm just saying. It's not, that's it's not uncalled that for. That's funny. I, I, do, I have a question, though. I do have a question about Spencer Dinwiddie possibly being a piece that can move. Because in my understanding of this sort of Nets team and how I see them moving forward, I would think you would want to keep Spencer Dinwiddie if Kyrie Irving is your starting point guard. Right. Um, and so I'm interested in you saying keeping Karis LeVert, because I'm just like, if you have Kyrie, you don't really need Karis LeVert, and maybe Spencer Dinwiddie is more important to the makeup of that team. But it was interesting mm. to me when you said the opposite. So I think that we've learned in this bubble that Karis is very capable of playing that one, 
Right. He can play the one. And now it just boils down to, is he coming off the bench? Are you staggering the substitution? So we're, okay, you're going to have Kyrie and Karras play together for the first four minutes, and you're going to take Karras out and put maybe Joe Harris or Garrett Temple in. Then you take Kyrie out, put Karras back in at that one. I think it just gives you more creativity in that rotation. I think these guys actually enjoy playing with Karras. And when guys enjoy playing with playing with each other, they're going to figure out a way to make it fit, right? So and Bitcoin, I think that's you're out of there. Bitcoin's out. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta go. If I, had to bet, if I had to place a bet right now, I'd say uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, Torian Prince, and probably Jared Allen. If they're tra- It depends on who they're getting, right? Because you yeah. could do Spencer, Torian, J.A., and picks to infinity for anybody, right? <laughs> Well, yeah, you just start. you just got you just got past the picks to infinity. <laughs> the Nets are just moving past that. I don't know if yeah. that's where you want to jump right into. Please. I mean, <laughs> it's what they, this is the, this is the life they chose, right? So now you've got to go all in, and if you've got a chance to go get, I don't know, maybe you can go get Beal. I doubt it. Maybe that's what you can package to get Aaron Gordon, mm-hmm. right? Maybe that brings Aaron Gordon to Brooklyn. I don't know if Aaron Gordon is the guy that you want playing the floor, no. but why not, right? It's all about who fits. If you got Kyrie. Karis, KD, Aaron Gordon, DeAndre Jordan, that's a tough start in five. And you can say what you want about the individual pieces, but and then you've still got players coming off the bench like that as well. I, I think it's tough. I, I think it's yeah. very tough. And I think if it, it, I don't even think it, it boils down to the specifics. I think the next the Nets right now, they're just they have so much flexibility. They can do whatever they want. And uh, this is the position that you want to be in. All right. Well, thank you for your, your time. That was a really fun talk. Thank y'all for having me. No problem. Um, I hope this was an informative episode for all the listeners. Um, Thank you for coming on to the Dishes and Dimes podcast. I apologize, guys. There's some lost audio here as we were discussing Audrey Griffin and Adrian Griffin. For those of you who aren't aware, Audrey Griffin is the ex-wife of Raptors assistant coach, Adrian Griffin. And recently, she tweeted out a post talking about the alleged abuse she suffered at the hands of Adrian Griffin. And, and we were discussing that along with the Raptors' response and the overall general public response on Twitter. All right. <laughs> all right, so it isn't all hunky-dory in Raptorland. I guess I have two beefs with this, just to start us off. One is I have beef with everyone who's been coming at her saying, why are you only bringing this up now? Uh, as you pointed out, it's not something that she's only been talking about now. It's something that she's been discussing for a while, but that also doesn't matter. Exactly. It doesn't matter if now is the time that she chose to speak up about it. It like the time that some that the time that a victim chooses to speak up about abuse is not is something that we should be monitoring at all. It's completely irrelevant. Um, and number two, it kind of makes, like, to me, it's like the logic in people saying, well, now you're, you're a hater and coming out now to talk about it. It's like, if someone saw their abuser being praised by everybody, Just that night would be a triggering, that would be a triggering event to anyone. Yeah. And so, so my biggest issue, number one, is to everyone who's decided that they're going to defend Adrian Griffin. I'm talking about people on the internet for absolutely no reason. And the fact that they don't want to believe women and also people accusing her of doing this to tear this man down. What benefit, if you're a woman, genuinely, what benefit do you have in doing something like this? You can see how many trolls she has in her mentions. What benefit, what does she gain in doing something like this? I don't understand that. You know, I believe women when they speak up about abuse. And my, my second thing is the Raptor statement wasn't strong enough. It wasn't a strong enough denouncement of abuse and exactly like there's absolutely no mention of the particular accusations made against him like they just completely stated that this is a guy whose character we know like we've known him for a long time and that's doesn't matter that's another thing addressing the guy's character from your perspective doesn't matter it's the same thing that we see celebrities now doing with ellen degeneres where it's like she's great with me that doesn't matter your personal relationship with someone that other people are calling abusive is completely irrelevant People treat other human beings differently. Exactly. The way that someone treats their spouse is not the way they treat their coworkers. Or That's their just boss. not a thing that happens. Or their or their boss. Yeah, like Nick Nurse said, made a statement, and I'm like, you're literally his boss. Like, what what do you gain from making a statement regarding a dispute between him and his wife? Like, 
that's completely inappropriate. Like, if anything, I would have much preferred that he made no statement or said that it's not his place to comment on the situation and that the organization is taking taking charge of it. Like, that's what he did with Terrence Davis, but he went out of his way to say that he knows Adrian and that he's 100% behind him. Like, that's just... I don't know. It's it's disappointing, but at the end of the day, like I'm a kind of a fool for expecting better <laughs> at the same time. So No, I honestly I, I think that we should I think that it's fine to demand better. And I think that the space that the internet kind of gives the Twitter universe where the reason why the Raptors put out a statement in the first place is because of the backlash that was seen on Twitter, right? Like yeah. that's that's why. And so I think it's fine to continue to have this and to continue to have these discussions. These are not ones that anyone really wants to have. Talking about abuse is not fun for anybody. Like exactly. this is not something that we want to be talking about, but these are real world issues. And yeah, we want to believe that our favorite players, we want to believe that the people on our team, and that's kind of how we view the Raptors. The Raptors are our team. This is our family. You come at Kyle Lowry, you're coming at me. Like yeah. there was just sort of this like passive conversation about Kyrie being better than Kyle Lowry. And both of us automatically got defensive. That's <laughs> kind up, of, <laughs> there's, yeah, there's this tribal sense. And he felt the same way about, about Kyrie Irving. There's a tribal sense that we all feel about our team. And I get that. And I get wanting to protect the players and the pieces and the, the coaches and the parts of the team but these are also real human beings and humans are flawed and the way that someone in, uh, reacts and interacts with the public is not the way that they are at home and I think it's up to us to believe women it's yes there is an investigation that needs to happen things are open and his kids are defending him and I'm not I'm not saying I know what happened but I'm saying the way that the internet is treating her right now is absolutely despicable and the statement that the Raptors put out was sorry and they needed to do better. And it's fine to be disappointed about that. And it's fine to continue talking about it. Yeah, exactly. I think it all just comes down to the weight of the accusations that, that are being made. Like, treat and it like it's heavy. a serious situation. You know what I mean? And I feel like no one is treating it like it's a serious situation. Like, they're kind of dismissing it as a custody battle, which is completely inadequate as an answer. You know what I mean? But and not only is it inadequate as an answer, it also it also touches on something that is so completely sexist and like has this sort of long history of that crazy ex-wife. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like that crazy With the woman. Ex accusations like and trying to get the kids and all crazy that. Crazy women trying to get the kids. They're going to do anything. They're going to say anything. And um, the man is always protected in these situations. The powerful man is always protected in these situations. And for the Raptors to come to his full defense, if an investigation has not happened in a strong way, which is what they kind of did, they did that in not addressing these serious accusations. They were taking his side. It's not, that's not something you do in this situation. I just, I am truly disappointed in what the Raptors said. I think they've had this like really great summer and doing great things, um, you know, for the Black Lives Matter movement, coming out, saying exactly. things. Yeah, Jerry, Nick Nurse, they've been doing really great. Which um, is why I think it's important that we as, you know, people in media just voice our displeasure with this. You know what I mean? I think it's important that we put it on the record that this is inadequate and that we expect better from the organization, period. Yeah. And um, I hope that everything gets resolved. I hope the truth comes out. I hope that um, Audrey Griffin finds peace. And um, I hope you trolls stop bothering her. Because, like, shut exactly. up. Like, what? Back like, mind your business. business. Like, I don't <laughs> understand it. Like, and the it, only reason I commented on this is because she released a statement and tagged media. That's, like, the only premise that we have in order to comment on this, you know, personal situation. But people, like, making judgments on her character, a woman that you literally do not know, you take her statements, you understand the weight of the accusations, and you make her feel like she's being heard. That's it. That's, like, all that needs to happen. You know what I mean? Like, you understand the weight of the situation, period. Yeah.